The Carl Landry Record Club is a music podcast from the Ricky, hosted by me, Spike, with Mootloo. This week, we have a podcast that is the best music of 2020. 20 songs from 2020. It's me, Mootloo, AU, Andrew Unterberger, and Jason Lipschitz from Billboard. We each bring five songs. We tell you about the songs. We tell you what we like about them. We play you a little clip. Carl Landry Record Club. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Do it for the children. Well, 2020 is coming to a close. This is your final Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast of 2020. It is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up, download their top-rated app, use promo code RTRS, and brought to you by By Nature Pet Foods, slow-cooked with Superfusion, the owners of the Soft Shit Award, uh, official pet food of the Ricky. Get 20% off your first by nature, order it Chewy by using promo code RTRS20. And of course, the sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter, Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get yours at statesidevodka.com. Well, we're wrapping up 2020 with a win. Uh, the six, oh, wait. Do they play again this year, actually? Yeah. Oh, they do. Well, as far as we're concerned, as far as the pod is concerned, it's the last game of 2020. So we wrap it up with a way to talk about the uh, Sixers Toronto game. Uh, we will give the winners of this year's Ricky Best of 2020 poll, discuss some of AU's best Sixers moments of uh, 2020, best 76 Sixers moments. And in uh, the mailbag, we have the most perplexing, thought-provoking question I've ever received from a listener. Been talking about it with people at work for three days. Mike, I can't wait to pose it to you. I hope you think as deeply about it uh, as I do. Um, before we get going, I would like to thank uh, all of our sponsors for sticking with us um, in 2020. I want to thank everyone who's been with us. LL, Big Barker, Kinetic, Cornblow, By Nature. Of course, our presenting sponsor, DraftKings uh, Sportsbook. Who am I forgetting? Oh, Adam Kasabi, the process realtor. Um, who else am I? Am I forgetting anybody? I don't think. I hope I'm not. Mike, am I forgetting anybody? Are we just current sponsors? Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to thank Touchstone. Touchstone Electric Fireplace is no longer with, them, with us, but we love them. Big Barker. We fucking love Big Barker. Colony Meadery. We haven't, you know, worked with them in a little bit, but we love them. We'll love them forever. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors, honestly, for sticking with us this year. Um, it was a uh, fucked up year, but it's good to have um, people who support us and allow us to do the pod and allow us to do good things, um, weird things and good things. So thank you to every sponsor we have. Um, and subscribe to the YouTube. Thanks to CJ, our new video guy. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe. YouTube.com. Smash the subscribe button. Without any. You didn't know what the website for YouTube was? <laughs> it's YouTube.com. <laughs> Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. I hope I didn't forget any sponsors. Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is We will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we was right y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we will write.
Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin with a guy who has spent his entire life in the dunker spot. That is Mike Levin. The other day, mm-hmm. we, I said I couldn't remember the last satisfying Sixers win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, this wasn't satisfying in the sense that it was pleasant, but no. it is a game that they've never won. They've never won this game. Against, like, you know, they would win this game against, you know, Charlotte or Sacramento, maybe. But this is not a game that the Sixers win against a good team, let alone the Toronto Raptors, who they have not beaten. They're 4-24 and prior to tonight against their last Raptors game. And so it was dark in there for a second. Um during the game, I, to be totally honest, cards on the table, during the game, thought, how how long am I going to fucking do this thing for? <laughs> <laughs> how long can I? I was thinking, I was like, I, I wrote it, I, I might need an end date to the podcast. So as far we, as like, if, the, if, if we're on the path that we're on of like, yeah. you know, f- failure mm-hmm. consistently... In depressing ways, I might need to know, like, hey, if 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 they don't at least like go to the title by this year, we got to stop. Then we're done. So we got a lot of for the the Ricky Best of 2020 poll. There were some open boxes where people, you know, for best argument, best take, all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't an argument or a take, but one guy wrote in there about two weeks before Maury got hired. I was listening to the podcast and you guys were so checked out and depressed <laughs> that if I'm convinced that if Maury didn't get hired, the podcast wouldn't exist right now. Like, that was more for you. I'm, I have a low grade level of checked out, I think, kind of uh, <laughs> always. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm especially checked out now as far as like life goes. Like I have a mustache right now. My yeah. hair, I haven't shaved my, I haven't cut my hair all year. Mm-hmm. We're in... I, because why not? Like, I really, I, while they're watching the game, until somehow they won, and we obviously will talk about uh, what, you know, wizardry went into them winning this game somehow. Um, but I, I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. This year and everything, and this team still looking like the team and just doing the same exact things, I was just like, I don't know if we could keep doing it. And then they won, and... Uh, I watched that video of the two girls, one playing piano, one playing violin, uh, playing Here Come the Sixers. Mm. I teared up. Now I'm doing the podcast until I die. I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, you, but we're, we're really on a knife's edge of, as far as, uh, well, you know, hanging on to just a tether to stability right now. Since, since they became a team that wins more games than they lose, you certainly ride higher and lower on the wins and the losses than I think I do. Like, I think, I've always felt that you are always one loss away from, from <laughs> quitting the podcast. <laughs> like, that, that is the, that's what I've always thought. That's, that's the book on me, if there was a scouting report. Yeah. Be, if they, here's some good things, but, you know, negatives always one loss away from, from giving it all up. Yeah. <laughs> just, just calling it a day. So here are the two takeaways I I come for away from the game. First of all, just an incredible start to the season for Embiid. Um, just just really fucking good. And he's in, in the, easily the best shape 
that he's been in, I would say, either since his rookie year or ever. Easily. And I think people get a little confused sometimes because he doesn't physically, his body does not look that much different. No. But but you can just tell the way he moves is faster and lighter on his feet. You can just tell. By a lot. That's, uh, yeah. And he looks great. And just, he looks in control and calm, but also playing hard. And it is... It feels good to watch him play like that because we know what he's capable of. And last year was such a bad year for it. Not, you know, you look at the stats and the stats look fine. But if you watch the games, you could just see that he just wasn't there. So it's great to see him as dominant as he was. And the other thing I took away is Tobias Harris just taking his finger, putting it right in your chest and saying, tell that fucking kid to give me my $10 million back is (laughs) is. Tobias earning his $10 million. I do like that Tobias is coming to me to tell Shake to give him money back. That's the route to get there. The only reason Shake got the money was because of you, not because of Shake. There's no way Shake's demanding the money. They should have televised it, but I I am glad that Shake has it. Now he will have to give some of it back. Um, Yeah, I mean, Embiid, to do this against the Raptors, who have always sort of stymied Embiid, to do Mm -hmm. it against Aaron Baines, Mm -hmm. uh, who I've had nightmares about for years. Um, that Baines three going in was uh, a lock. There was not a chance. I didn't even look at. It. I saw it. I said. I, I honestly didn't even see it. I was. I saw Aaron Baines has the ball. Shot clock winding down. And I look. I like roll. I like rolled my body. That's how much I rolled my eyes because I knew it was going in. And then of course it did. But they they uh, called it back, which was you know the shocker of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he missed that corner three. Unbelievable. I unbelievable that that happened. That once that. Ch- once that was called back, it was like, okay, something's going on. There's some something weird afoot because this is the, like, we, ha- we have a good handle on when games are going to be won or lost mm-hmm. uh, and what shots are going to go in and what's, because you just watch this team enough. You've watched the rims at Wells Fargo Center enough to know, like, when a clang is coming and when, like, an inexplicable, like, hoist is going in for them. And so once that changed, it was like, we're in uncharted waters. I don't know what's going on. Um, and, yeah, Embiid was unbelievable. Just... Just yeah. incredible. A different level than anybody else on the court on either oh, team. Oh, yeah. yeah. Honestly. Yes, yeah. by a lot. Yes. I mean, yeah. the Kyle Lowry's very good. He's always very good against us. They're mm-hmm. a different team without him. Fred Van Vliet is just, like, not good against the Sixers, which is weird because we don't. you really most of the time remember how many guys inexplicably destroy the Sixers, but Fred Van Vliet is sort of the opposite in that he, you know, once he had that kid two years ago, he went on a run against everybody else on the way to the finals, but against the Sixers, he was pretty terrible. He hit um, one three in the yeah, Sixers series. He was he was bad, and one. I think he just, yeah. like, I you know, I love Fred Van Vliet. I, I love undrafted guys, um, was a hell of a college player, but I he is not as good as Kyle Lowry, and it's kind of not close. Um, the stuff can I say Lowry. this about Kyle yeah. Lowry, too? The fact that he seemed like he was about to be washed three years ago. Like the fact, it, it's almost like the championship revived his entire like being. Almost, yeah. I, I'm just shocked he's still as good now. He's very good. Yeah, I remember yeah. talking about him. Like we have, hey, would you trade for Kyle? This is like the year before the championship. Would you trade for Kyle Lowry with like three years left on his deal? Like I think it was like three years, ninety million million left. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of like an ah, I don't know. That's a lot of money, but it's like I mean. He's still very good, and he's still mm-hmm. clear, he finished plus twelve in a game they lost by whatever six or eight or whatever. Um, yeah, I, it it was a it was a good good Tobias game. Like he, 
I'm going to try not to be negative on this podcast because there's no- negative things I want to say about like Tobias and Ben specifically around the rim. But like, I'm going to say that every single podcast for the rest of time. And so when because of this gift guy. that we were given to us of yeah. winning this game that they've never won, I'm just we're just going to be positive. We're going to feel good. We're going to live in this moment. Uh, I almost quit the podcast tonight. So let's just be happy for a second and a half. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that he uh, w- certainly was making quicker decisions. He's never going to be a great passer, but certainly making quicker decisions with the ball. Uh, going up with threes, two for five from deep. I would love to double that, but that's fine. Um, had a nice touch around the rim. He always has that nice little kind of like high off the glass with his left that sort of goes in automatically, even against pretty good shot blockers. And his defense was great. I mean, he is at least league average on defense, probably better because of just his size. Um, got his hands in there, making decisions. My favorite, my favorite Tobias play. And it's good because, like, this, like, <laughs> my favorite I, I, shut up. I, because I, <laughs> we talked about what was wrong with him in the first couple games, whether uh-huh. or not, you know, it was floated by someone that his brain was altered in some uh, medical sense. By someone. But the, there was a play, they kept doubling Joe. They kept doubling Joe from different ways, and he, like, wasn't doing a great job with it. He was either making – he was waiting too long, didn't see, like, the little short guards coming around and, and got trapped or was making bad passes out of it because he was rushing it or whatever it was. And so after one play, Tobias goes up to Joel, and you can see it on camera. He goes up to him and, and like, tells him – he like taps him on the chest and tells him something, and Joe's like, all right, cool. And this is, like, an example of, like, good Tobias leader stuff that isn't just, like, you know, a reading list that he's sending out to the team to educate themselves on various topics, which is also important, but less important than on the court. And so Joe goes, okay. And then the next play down, I think it was either Seth or Danny, uh, brings the ball up on the left side of the court. Tobias goes to that elbow. As Joel is posting up, Tobias goes to that elbow, gets the ball from either, I think it was Seth, and then makes an immediate inlet to Joel over the top of the defender uh, to get an easy layup and one. And that was like, that was a Tobias thing, seeing that they kept doubling him, helping him out by making getting an easier pass. And it's just like that, those kinds of things where like smart decision making, communicating with the team, getting easy buckets, like that is nice. It's nice to see. It's nice to see that Joel was like receptive to that. And then they executed it correctly. Like it was, it was very good. I actually think it's sort of nice that we don't have home crowd this year in that Tobias would have been fucking slaughtered, uh, coming back for this game. Honestly, like he would be, the crowd would be on him like nobody's business. So I'm actually glad they're not there and he he's able to get out of whatever that funk was he he will never be worth 36 million dollars a year he'll never be worth that trade but he certainly can be a a good player at least you know so uh, i don't expect 26 points from him every game but i certainly don't expect him to be what he was the first couple of games of the year i would i would love one tobias three where he shoots it from a foot behind the line just give me one intentional I'm just going to, you know, take this space and shoot it from here. Because but every that, single time it's tippy toes on the line. I know, but you know, it's funny. I, I think it was two games ago where he started being a little quicker with maybe it was the New York game. Yeah. Uh, um, but you could see when he was being quicker, you know, when he misses, he front rims a lot, right? Because you've mentioned the shot is pretty flat and yeah. barely gets there. Is that he just, it barely gets there from the line. 
you know? Like, I just, I don't know if he can shoot from a foot behind that. It's not, I mean, it's not, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's not like a strength thing. He's obviously strong enough to do it. Marcus well, but it's like how a, his shot works. Right, exactly. You know? yeah. It's all like he's got that such a firm elbow that it's just a, it's a really line drive situation. But it, go, it it lands on the rim softly, which is why he's a good foul shooter because he hits that. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's a it's a mid range jump shot that yep. he tries to stretch out for, to three, and it just it's not a it's not an easy fluid release. But yeah, I would just love to see it because so often. And I would love to see it from Danny and Seth, too, although they're, they're more willing to do it. Like, when you can shoot from 26, 27, like, that's more space. Like, mm-hmm. there's – everything is is tighter when you're just hugging the line. And that's why with with, with Brett coaching and, and when Dario and Covington were here, it was like that – they were talking about that four-point line where, like, yep. Dario and Cove were, were that far out, and then their pass would come and they'd step into it clean so they could be closer. But it was still, like, I'm spacing out to this place. Um I, yeah. I forget. I forget who wrote it. I think it was two or three years ago. That I think it was rich. No, no, no. A, a, a different thing. I, there was an article about the Rockets and the value of shooting mm. from far away, mm. uh, because Eric Gordon shoots from like twenty-eight feet, and yeah. and that they all shot from far away, and you you know you could see the Rockets had a ton of space, but it does it. The further you shoot out, the the better it is. The further you you draw your defender out there. Yeah, uh, it would be nice. Mike, we would like to thank our uh, presenting sponsor for 2020, DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes. With, with us the whole way. Thank you, DraftKings. Uh, I used Julius Randle against the Sixers in DraftKings the other day um, because I – well, no, I guess not Sportsbook, but – Oh, fantasy. Because, because I – you know, there's some things you just know. <laughs> um, things you know yeah that with the uh with the live betting with DraftKings, i always feel like with the sixers i can take advantage of the live betting odds right it feels like, like insider trading a little bit yes I, I swear it absolutely feels like that like oh wait i watched them too much to bet on them i know how this is gonna go um and i was actually happy to see at the end of the year you can look in the DraftKings app it's a great app you can look and see how much you wagered and how much you won in 2020 I came out on top. I actually won more money than I bet. I now, are, you, are you? Does that include the sponsorship? Are you no. counting the money that they pay us? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think they put it in there. Including the sponsorship, uh, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how fair that is. Thank you, DraftKings Sportsbook. Now that I, I love like football, I'm not great at betting, but I do love uh, betting on basketball and because uh, I feel like I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't. So uh, DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. You're always in the center of the action, always tons of ways for you to make it rain, um, and you don't have to be anywhere. You just need the app, right? It's a great app. Uh, go to the App Store now, download it. DraftKings Sportsbook giving all new users a deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you sign up using promo code RTRS. As I mentioned, uh, there's live betting in the games, there's player props, there's uh, you know parlays, there's all that kind of stuff, combined bets, whatever. Whatever you want to bet on, they're going to let you bet on football playoffs coming up that we're not going to be involved in, but you can be involved with DraftKings. 
Uh, every day this week, daily odds boosts. So sign in and take a look at that. Safe, reliable, secure. Deposit money when you want. Withdraw it when you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS when you sign up. Get up to $1,000. That's code RTRS to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The, uh, the, the offense still didn't, not to be negative, but the... It is so. It's so different. Like Toronto is switching everything, contesting everything, scrambling everything, and so the Sixers were having such a hard time to like just get open looks and like easy looks. And it seemed like there was a couple drives where it was just here's 45 different pump fakes, driving into kind of nothing and kicking back out for another sequence of pump fakes, uh, and like shot clock violations and stuff. And it's just like I would love to just like get things moving and maybe that's a i don't know a timing thing that the, everyone will get better at because sometimes like there's been like once or twice a game there will be like god level ball movement and you're like this is great this is the spurs this is such a nice thing but everybody's looking and passing and moving and there's like a fluidity to it and then sometimes it'll be like i'm i'm staring at this inlet to the post like 20 feet out for like a good eight seconds. And then it has to be like a hoisted, you know, shot clock expiring shot. Well, but that, 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 that movement has to start from an initial thing. You know, it has to start from an initial like, action yeah. that, that creates an advantage for the offense that the defense has to try to make up for with another player or movement or something like that. And they just, that you know, that's why, you know, Brett's teams always led the league in, passes For because sure. they, they had to do that so much. Yeah. And it all, I, I will keep this to a minute because I, I know you've made this no negative, whatever. No negative. I, okay, I'm going to phrase it as something good. Joel Embiid is so good that we cannot afford another year of spinning our wheels. We can't. They're not young anymore especially him. I don't know how long his prime's going to be. He's in it right now. He's 27. Who knows how many more years he can, he can play a full... Se- we just cannot do it. And I just... I, I, I can't wait f- for Ben Simmons to figure out what he is anymore. I can't. I can't. And, and I... Like... A, one more game of him running into the lane and throwing up some goofy hook shot or throwing it back to Embiid at the three-point line at the top, I, just, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't. <laughs> he, he's either got to be a forward and let Shake Melton play point guard and shoot fucking threes, or he's got to drive into the, figure out a way to get into the lane and get fouled because this is not going to work. It's just, it's not, it's going to waste. It, it is, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling everybody listening, it is going to make Embiid want to leave if, if this doesn't get fixed. I'm sure of it. And I don't want to lose Embiid, and I don't want to miss his prime. And this guy is a good player. He is. But I just cannot figure out how it fits 
in the right way with Joel. Dude, they're running these these ridiculous pick and rolls that are five feet away from the rim, like in any real basketball game. You've ever seen that in a meaningful <laughs> basketball game. It, it's fucking crazy, the shit that they have to do. And I just, I can't take it anymore. Well, so the, to me, this is, we've seen the most Ben Simmons driving to the rim in the half court that we've seen in his career. He is beating guys off the dribble in the half court. He is getting to where he wants. It's just a matter of, like, once he gets to in the paint, there has to be a level of either decelerating so that you can, like, time your jump and get closer to the rim or, like, just making the choice to get fouled. And there was a lot of times he got a lot of contact in this game, and he went to the line eight times. Like, it could have been a lot more. But it's not like a choice to get the contact. That's guys flying in to him, and he's right, not right, right. being the one to initiate it. And it's like, well, it's like he doesn't uh, have a plan. He doesn't it's know a, it's exactly what he's doing. A lot of, a lot of just do. like driving fast at it because he is like he's the fastest guy on the court almost every time he plays, and he's huge. And it's just like he's strong. He's athletic. Just like play like it all the time. And it's like I don't mind driving kicks. Like I love a driving kick, especially with shooters. But too often it is. Drive and fade, drive in and like be a little confused, like trying like a little up and under thing, like fading away with Kyle Lowry on him. Like there's just too much, too much of that stuff. And it's like when he does, he played special defense on Siakam tonight. He's played special defense this whole season. Again, he's he has shut down like good players like every time. Siakam was eight for 23, didn't go to the line once. And it's like that, there's like, that's real. He's good. Like he's an incredible game-changing defensive player. He played, you know, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, R.J. Barrett. Who was last game? Last game sucked. Somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, last he, game doesn't like, count. He's very. He's just. It, it's not much. I, I. I honestly. I'm at the point where I. I never expect him to shoot. Although he did get the ball one time and I did expect him to shoot it because it looked like he was going to. But it's like okay, fine. I'm. I'm never expecting him to shoot. Fine. Whatever. He's gonna shoot. Shoot above sixty percent from the line, and that's doable. That's fine. But it's just it's it's those little things where he's got to like just go at the rim, take one power dribble, go up with it, like those kinds of things. Because I I do think that it's not it's not just it's not just we need to get only shooting around Embiid or we need to get like there's there's just there's, it's too many things now. It can't be all of the things. And right and right now he needs to be able to be like an effective player going at the rim. Because he can, like, he can play with Shake. Seth, Seth Curry had a great game tonight. He hit that shot. No one's ever hit that shot before. Yeah, at, it's, in clutch, it's just, in clutch moments, and he's like drib- dribbling nicely. He's getting, he's getting to his spots. A bunch of good things. So like, he doesn't need to always have the ball in his hands. I, I don't think Ben Simmons needs to like figure out who he is. I think he knows who he is. I think this is, this is the kind of odd, unique player he is with strengths and weaknesses. I just need him to have more of a choice on drives to the rim, around the rim, like. People say, like, okay, well, he shoots this percentage around at the rim. But it's like, well, a lot of times he's passing out of those things. A lot, right, a lot of times right. he's fading, so he's not at the rim anymore. And it's, like, in that little, like, three to six foot range. It's like th- the stats don't tell the whole story. You need context for it. And so, yeah, I, I, lo- I, lo- I love the guy. There's so much I love about it. Watching him play, be ha- being on this team. I think Doc is using him in different ways that, than Brett didn't. And I think it's, like... They they might have won this game kind of just because of Doc like that like that might be what like an extra leg up of coaching gets you, but I just like I need more like he's going to the rim more that is good but it needs to be like to the rim, 
one more power dribble dunk. Like, uh, I don't know if you can teach deceleration or, like, show him, like, this is how, like, Tobias needs it also. Like, I just need to, we're I so just, close. We're so close to, like, an excellent, excellent player of, like, an, a combination of skills and, like, one trade away, even if it's not the hardened trade, like, one trade away of getting, like, this is the team that could do it. But it needs to be, like, those little things matter so much and it's frustrating. But we're being positive. Yeah, I, I just don't agree that it's a little thing. And I don't agree that uh, the shooting thing is like, oh, well, he just won't shoot. Like, I, I, I'm not there. But I, I do agree that he could mitigate that by doing the things that you, that you did. Anyway, a good win. I, I don't know that there's a ton of other individual performances that are worth discussing. Shake, you know, not the best shake game no. ever. Um, that nice, really nice little scoop lefty around Boucher is a good shot blocker. That was nice. Yeah. Play. The, uh, the team really misses Ferk, I think, honestly. Crazy. Yeah. And that's like, we have other stuff. I, I don't think we need to overdo the game stuff, but it was it's a good win. I thought it was a good win. Yeah. And, a couple more things to say. I think uh, the, the bench standing the most of all of the game, basically, mm-hmm. got to chalk that up in the vibes category. Let's yep. not, let's not uh, rule out that the vibes carried them to a victory here. <laughs> sure. Um, last year, the vibes were bad and they lost a lot of games doing in games where they just gave up or either coughed up the lead or just gave up when they were behind. So this is another game. I think one of them was a preseason game, but another game where they came back from a big deficit and B got hurt, went to the locker room. They were down like 14 or something. Could have just all fallen apart there. That, a that's knee the too, that by was, the way. Like I thought it was a thigh. It looked to me like a thigh or a hamstring. Hmm. Well, if it was um, a hamstring, he wouldn't have come back. Yeah, it could have just been a cramp. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure. He's kind of bent weird when on one of those like... Uh, double teams that he fell down on. He fell down a lot today. Enough falling down. Um, that, I love, just one more. The the Joel block on Baines at the rim, gorgeous, very impressive. Mm-hmm. I thought the Sixers defense around the around the rim was uh, incredible. They the Raptors shot took 45 threes. They hit 17 of them, and they lost this game because. The Sixers did not let them get to the line. They only got to the line 14 times compared to the Sixers' 33. Um, and they just missed a lot of shots around the rim, mostly because of Embiid, um, and, altering shots. How I many thought, How many free throws did Embiid shoot? 15? 16. 16. Um, yeah. Blocking shots. I th- the Sixers as a team had uh, 10 block shots. Like Tobias was getting in there. Danny Green blocked a couple. Uh, Dwight is good in those, in those limited minutes. Like They just made everything hard for them around the rim. Now that led to a lot of wide open threes. Um, that Siakam and Ananobi, Ananobi who is easily one of my favorite players in the league, uh, that they could just easily walk into, which is frustrating. Stanley, if, just, if Stanley Johnson hits a three, then things are not going well for you. Right. Um, but but that's the I think that's the trade-off that you make in NBA offense, in NBA defense, where it's like you have to make a choice of what you're willing to give up. And that's the Raptors, what Milwaukee does, by the yeah, way. Yeah, well, Milwaukee. the Raptors do it too. The Raptors yeah. l- usually limit shots at the rim and are fast enough and like communicative enough on defense to con- hard contest those threes. Um, and the Sixers shot like shit from three for most of the game, went through many stretches without making anything. Um, but I think it's, I mean, that was a that was a real like team effort around the rim, obviously centered around Joel Embiid being as, as good as he is. He's incredible. It's, we're not even gonna, we can't even comprehend how good he is around the rim, it's unbelievable. Uh, and in just the, Sixers didn't lose a game at home in 2020. What a weird year for that to have happened. But, um, yeah, 
the even just the threat of fans one day booing them for something. <laughs> well, I mean, they saw what happened in the Phillies. They started hanging out outside the fucking stadium, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Uh, yeah, a, a good way to end the the, uh, the year, at least well, for they, us. Do you, know, sure. you know who they're playing in, in two days? <sighs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, Charlotte, right? No. Who would be the team that you would least want to face uh, on a momentum into 2021? The Magic? The Magic is no. who the Sixers are playing on Thursday. <laughs> we, end, we end the year with Markel Fultz. Oh, boy. It's going to be bad. But yep. this is but this win is gonna pow- I'm gonna try to let this win power me to a a big a big feel good feel good end by, of the year. By the way, I think Fultz is shooting fucking ninety percent from the line or something this year. <laughs> That'll hold up. Well, I I think he shot eighty percent last year or seventy five percent or something. So he only gets to the line three or four times a game, but um uh okay. So um oh Uh, Before we get to the year-end poll, uh, great news from our friends at Stateside. So Stateside Urban Craft Vodka is the sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter. Previously, it was only available in PA, Jersey, I think Delaware. As of right now, Mike, Stateside Vodka available in 44 states. Name them. You can, no. I I can maybe name the ones that it's not available in. Definitely not Hawaii. Definitely not Alaska. Mississippi, Alabama, Utah, and there's one more. Uh, but stateside vodka, uh, you can order it from anywhere now. So, and here's the other thing they're doing. The first, wait, hold on. I got to get the, uh, I forgot to write down the, um, the code. So the first 300 people that order out of state uh, from one of their new states from their site gets one of those rocks glasses that we got. Really awesome glasses right here if you're, watching youtube great glasses so if you order uh, add the product stateside rocks glass to your cart enter promo code free rocks r-o-x all one word free rocks at checkout first 300 cu- uh, customers with any purchase of spirits gets that so congratulations to stateside i know um i know they've been working on this for a while and it's great for anyone to be i know we have ricky listeners new york california everywhere so you can order stateside remember it is um it is uh carb free it is uh certified kosher it is uh the best vodka you can get so stateside vodka statesidevodka.com and must be 21 to drink please enjoy responsibly so we did our year-end poll mike um and i have the results I would love to hear your reactions and maybe some reflecting on uh, on the on the moments of this Let's year. Do it. Basketball guest of it of the year by a sliver. Now we did rank choice voting. A sliver. The winner of basketball guest of the year won Daryl Morey. Wow. O- over Joel Embiid. Now Embiid did get more first place votes, but in rank choice voting, that's not who wins. So. Always. So Daryl Morey wins. D- did you, when we had him on, you know, in retrospect, it looks like, oh, that was a sign. Did you think when it happened, did it cross your mind at all? What could happen? Like, I, think so. I think so. I think we talked about it probably. Did we? I think we, I don't know if we, I, I, I don't think I asked him about it, but because I, I didn't want to like, you know, get him in trouble or something but right i certainly was thinking about being like so you're gonna i mean you're coming right like <laughs> because of this this is a sign i don't know 
I think I offered when they fired everybody to drive him here. And I think he politely declined. And then he took the job. But he also said I didn't have to drive him here. Yeah. So be- I mean, probably if he was on the fence, I don't know if like, and you get a free <laughs> ride from Spike was the thing that <laughs> in a car like, done the trick. Right. Uh, Embiid comes in second, Zach Lowe third, and a virtual tie for fourth place, Kevin Arnovitz and Celtics uh, assistant coach Jerome Allen. Non-basketball guest of the year, not really that close, presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Yeah, I think that's a that's like a, a, a nationally known thing. I think I think I enjoyed having Helen Gim on our podcast very much. She was fun. Uh, yeah, Yang. I think I was. I think I tried to joke with him a little bit, and I don't think he appreciated it. He's he's really? like dry, he's dry in a way, but I yeah. think I might have made fun of him where I was trying to do it in like a we're all joking around thing. But I think he took it personally a little bit. Really, I'll I, have to. Go I kind of do. I think I might have just been like. I don't remember. I think I, I think I made fun of some sort of political slogan or something, and I, I felt I felt like a cool cool wave of iciness coming, and so then I was like, all oh, right, whatever. I think what you did, you, you gave like a, you know, all that stuff is douchey, right? Kind I of. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but I remember the icy the icy feel, the the sliver down my back, the trickle of sweat that I felt as as he looked at me over Zoom. He was good, though. I mean, he did love talking oh, about yeah. basketball. No, he's cool. Yeah. You can hang. Uh, coming in number two, uh, Amos and Mutlu. Um, two what? appearances. Uh, three, Chuck Klosterman. Four are dads. And five, Ike Reese. Well, Klosterman uh, making fun of Killikal, I think. Was it, great. Or, what was it? Yeah, thinking that that was his name. Yeah. What did he kill a cow? That's solid, yeah. Yeah, that's and the he's literary like, genius of Chuck Klosterman hit, hitting you with hitting you with the hard hits. <laughs> the podcast is not called "Does Music Exist?" <laughs> um, the Mike was right. Player of the year uh, is Shake Milton. Not surprising. Wins over Christian Wood. I think he got about sixty-five uh, percent of the vote. The did that really happen? Moment of the year, Maury on the pod from the bubble while he was Houston Rockets GM. This was really a a, a Maury sort of um, sure. There's Maury is there for sure, but yeah. yeah, I mean, him being Hinky's dad, I think puts him over the top. Is uh, was Maury before or after Joel? He was, I think, before. I think so too. Yeah. Um. The way to wipe of the year, sitting with 72% of the vote. Only answer. Yep. Still a shocking. So I, I saw a different podcast, also did a poll, and also came across this. It feels like this sort of pops up in different places, this craziness. And they had about 65% saying sitting. It seems like the standing people are really about 30%, no matter who does the poll. Reveal yourselves. So the argument of the year uh, between us was a sort of fill out the box, but I would say an easy 40% of the boxes had our, the winner of the argument of the year is Jimmy Butler. Did he prove himself as best player on a championship team, even <laughs> though he didn't win a championship, which devolved into uh, horny for Michael Jordan versus LeBron? That was argument of the year. Um, I... I remember that one. Uh, many of the, the ones that people brought up, I didn't remember. Um, 
And the honorable mention, second place, I would say about was the R. Simmons and Bede actually superstars when I lost it on the ringer heat check, people. Sure. When, yeah. Um, the take that would come back to haunt Spike is Jimmy Butler in the finals. I think yeah. that is fair over Luca and LeBron. Food list of the year, Sixers Adam wins. Alyssa, Alyssa has been toying with a food list. I would um, love to have a food list from her. She's overwhelmed by it, I think. I, she'll, <laughs> she'll start to like list a couple things, and I was like, yeah, just write it down. It would be great. You should do it. And then she gets scared of, of the, the breadth of food. It's, it's, I'll give you a hint. It's all snacks. It is oh, well, I would love a snacks, snacks list. I, I would love a snacks. You just have to, what I found, when I wrote mine, you just have to do it. You know what I mean? You can't think about it too much. Just start writing it out. Yeah. Um, second place was Tommy and Tony T with sure. a great food list. Great list. Uh, outrageous Furkan Korkmaz moment, the Portland game winner or the back-to-back 30-point games, the back-to-back 30, 30-point games wins. Much Was that this you- year that you interviewed Korkmaz? <sighs> I think it was 2019 that I interviewed okay. Korkmaz. I think it yeah. was when, yeah. I think it was right around the time that I was in Philly. But I, I either yeah, because had just you had gotten in that day or something like that. Yeah, you had like stomach problems or something that day. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking it up when he came on. Yeah, if it was, if it was then, it would have been December, about yeah. a year ago, December. It was December. Yeah, December. December 2019. So does not does not count. We'd like to uh, take a second to thank our sponsor, a, a sponsor that just came on in 2020, I believe, while sports were stopped um by nature slow cooked superfood pet food we love by nature the um the good boy and girl, good girl club the by nature good boy and good girl club growing by the day evelyn and lavon which are two just awesome looking dogs like a black and white coat with big ears and a tan black faces there they uh are eating by nature now by nature is just better for your pet, and that's why we love talking about it. That's why I was so glad when they came on uh, as a sponsor. It's better because they use better ingredients. That's what Superfusion is, better ingredients, apple cider vinegar, blueberries, ginger, all that kind of stuff, uh, premium proteins, probiotics, all that stuff. And uh, it's good for your pet because it, they cook it slow, so it is um, more healthy for your pet. It's more nutrient-rich. And here's the great thing, the poop for the dog, no longer soft, which brings us to the important moment of the day. Uh, you know, when you go to pick up the poop, it's going to be firm. If you're using by nature, if you have a dog, if you pick it up with a cat, you're doing it wrong. Anyway, it is time for the soft shit award, by nature soft shit award, awarded by Mike to somebody who deserves uh, the soft shit award. Mike, who does the soft shit award go to this time? Uh, soft shit award this week goes to Myself. I'm uh, delivering it to myself for Any my anti-Tobias rant earlier. Oh, God. Um, you know, well-deserved. I don't know if this is self-dealing, but I'd like to congratulate myself on being soft shit and deserving soft shit. Soft shit award goes to Mike the first time uh, it went to somebody on the pod. Probably not the last time. Um, If you want to try it for the first time, go to Chewy.com. Use promo code RTRS20. You'll get 20% off your first by nature order. 
everyone uses Chewy, right? That's where you get all your pet stuff anyway. So go to Chewy.com, use promo code RTRS20 for your first by nature order. 40 years, the company's been in business, no recalls ever. Um, we love by nature, proud to have them as a sponsor. And when you do that, when you get the food, take a picture of your dog or cat with the food, send it to us. We'll put them in the good boy or good girl club. Uh, again, by nature pet foods, RTRS 20 at Chewy. Thank you, By Nature. Thank you for keeping our pets' stools nice and firm. Da, 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 da. Prospect, Spike was accidentally right about of the year. Much to your chagrin, Gary Trent Jr. does not win. Michael Porter Jr. Jr. wins. That's wrong. That's, in, that's undeniably wrong for a bunch of reasons. One reason is that Michael Porter Jr. coming into that year was a top prospect. and thought I had him be, as number one on my big board. Right. I'm saying he was, he was thought to be a top prospect. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into college, and he only okay. played a couple games, sort of similar to uh, James Wiseman, and that he played a couple games and then hurt his back. I think it was that he's had a, a bunch of back issues. Um, so, and so I also gonna... don't think right now that he is good. That's me uh, saying it. Right. Um, but he he's not like a pull it out of your ass guy. Gary Trent Jr. is very good, um, and didn't look great at Duke. He's exactly my kind of player. I must not have watched him that much at Duke, or I must have watched him, like, early in the season and, like, developed an opinion about him that I kind of just assumed was correct, like an early one, and never really went back to check because he's exactly the kind of player that I like. Um, he, he went off last night for Portland against the Lakers. He, he's, he's the best. I love him. Um, and that one was a pull-it-out-your-ass pull guy. So I, I, I'm overruling it and giving it to be Gary Trent Jr., that is very much Michael Porter Jr. is going to be like Brandon Ingram. It's going to take like five years for you to recognize that he's good. I don't think so. So, am I not going to get credit? It's the same thing. I had Darius Garland as number one on my big board last year. Will I not get credit for that because he was the same sort of like highly touted? But no, I mean, also, yeah, another guy that that only played like four, four or five games yeah. at Vanderbilt. Um, no, I think having Darius Garland number one was pretty crazy. Okay, and will will still be crazy. Michael okay. Porter Jr., people, that's, people kind of expected it, oh. and he just did not look very good. The rant of the year, Ricky rant of the year, we had several different mentions of the name, but it really turned into the collection of Scott O'Neill rants. Um, you decided that, like, Scott had long been a, a focus of mine, but you decided you were going all in on Scott after last season. And it was a long off season. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, honorable mentions, Mike's Tobias slander, which he has since apologized for, which I think should pull it out of the rant category. Take it out. And the several rants on the Sixers owners attempting to use public funds to build an arena. Which also ties into the Helen Gimpod. Right. Um, I wonder if she's going to come. She will definitely ask to come back on the pod when she runs for mayor eventually, which I think is going to be soon, actually. Um, good take of the year. I, I can't believe we haven't given him more credit for this. And, of course, it's a weird pod to do it because he had such a good game. But AU has always been staunchly anti-Tobias. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was because they traded Shamit, who he really liked. But he's always been anti-Tobias, so he gets good take of the year, I think. Yeah, I think, I think everybody, nobody felt great about it mm-hmm. at any point. But I think AU was the most, like, I'm willing to say how mm-hmm. I feel and not try to, like, put a hopeful spin on it. 
And he puts a hopeful spin on everything. He hated that Which, trade. And it's, I mean, it's right. It was never a good trade. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone was excited about that trade in the moment. And then the decision of, well, we have to give him a max contract. It just everything was bad. But we love Tobias. He's a great player. He's a great guy. Um, huge for the community. I really, I think if he released a list of books to read, I would read them. Um, I just, you know, can't say enough. Can't say enough good things on this podcast exclusively. Um, bad take of the year, uh, without question, got the most votes for any Ben Simmons take from Spike. Um, I did get an email from a Don who had finally flipped on Simmons and said at the end of it, I think Spike muted me a long time ago because of this. I'm sorry. (laughs) I feel like you're in your head about Simmons. You talk about him being in his head about whatever shooting or whatever it is, but I feel like you are now... People have psyched you into you feeling guilty for feeling a certain way and wanting to voice that. Well, you know what's interesting, and I don't want to take too long on this, but there's always been a player on the Sixers of high profile that I have been out on in like a more extreme way than, than everybody else has. And the three that I remember is I turned on Turner, I turned on MCW, and Okafor, by and large, um... This is not new for me, for there to be, like, a high-profile sixer that I don't think is good, you know? I did have a, speaking of Evan, I did have a a Tobias is is tall Evan Turner note in my thing here, and I I didn't say it, and I deleted it (laughs) when we made it into a positive pod. Um, And honorable mention, Mike saying the Sixers had a 50% chance to win a title with both Joel and Ben. Still believe it. Give me over the course of that many years? Absolutely. I, I, in an alternate universe where better rims and different air quality in Toronto, I would have been right. Um, AU did an awesome list. It's at rightstorickysanchez.com right now of the top 76 Sixers moments of the year. Now, they also have um, their Ricky moments in there as well. I just wanted to go over his top five because I, I thought... Um, there are a couple of things in here that we didn't discuss in, in ours. Guy loves Number a fi- list. What's that? Guy loves a list. He does. He's great at lists. Number five, the Shake Milton game. And that was what? That was 37 points against the Clippers? Mm-hmm. And the thing about the Shake Milton game, we all remember it, but it came so, it was so close to the end of the, like, it was so close to the COVID shutdown Yeah. that, uh, and, and it like, you know, he lost some of his momentum in that season because of that, you know, they came back and they were playing differently and they were just fucking ass in the bubble. But Paul George, you know, there's that tweet, the somebody please help, um, Paul George while he was guarding Shake Milton and who knows, it might be the reason that Doc Rivers is the coach of the Sixers right <laughs> now. <laughs> It wouldn't be, you know, Doc Rivers is famous for signing players who were good against him. Yeah. So him coming to a team that had a player that was good against him. Yeah. It's you, in, individually, it's like, you know that scene in um, A Beautiful Mind when it's like, I'm sure it's sexist if, if I would look back. I haven't seen the movie in a while, but the it's I've the, never seen it. Well, there's these, there's the guys, like the nerd guys that see the like girls at the bar or whatever. And like, it's, it's shot like stylistically or whatever. And now in my mind, it's Daryl Morey looking at me and you and Doc looking at Shake and then deciding to come to Philadelphia. 
Um, I I love AU giving Sixers Adam credit. Number four top of the top 76 Sixers moment of the year was Sixers Adam's food list. Certainly caused as much of a stir as anything else on this list. Absolutely. One of my favorite things, you know, I don't think there will ever be a documentary about it, but the days and days of prodding it took me to get Sixers Adam to write the food list and how proud I was six hours into it when I told him that more people had read his food list than anything else he had written for us. What, what was the what was the qualifier to that sentence? You didn't think there was going to be a documentary made about Sixers Adam's food list? Correct. <laughs> That's why I wanted to tell the story now. I don't if I felt like there was going to be a doc, I, I would want to save it for the doc. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, does I wouldn't want to blow it here. Sure. Okay. I don't think that no. you need. Yeah, I feel like that's not a concern, and but that—that's why I, I told the story now. I right. don't think there—I don't think there will be a documentary. Right, but I'm glad this. I went through. I, I'm glad you did the math before before. <laughs> Number three is I. I know people are going to think it. I sound like I'm drinking. I haven't had a drink in a month. Uh, uh, I'm just. I. I thought that was. Sixers Adams food list brings me great joy. Number three, uh, Ben Simmons slaps Joel Embiid's ass at the All-Star game. That was great. How many, how many uh, screen cap videos with imagine thinking that these two guys don't get along tweets were there about, about that moment? Probably Not more. enough. Should be more. I do think mm-hmm. that on the court watching them, they feel like they have, this is their, what, fourth year playing together? Fourth? Yes, fourth. They, it really does feel like this is a noticeable difference of just them having a better feel for each other on the court. It seems like they're communicating and like knowing what the other likes to do a little bit more. I'm not saying that they fit perfectly. I never, that's never going to be the case, but I just feel like they have maybe with Doc, maybe, you know, bringing the bell together, slapping each other's ass, et cetera, da- pumping your fist when the other one gets a dunk. Those are kind of nice things. And I think that they're, they just seem to, they just seem to have a better, like, feel for each other this year than last number two we talked about it on the last pod joel Embiid on the ricky uh worth if you know if you have some time over the next week and you're uh by the way i did get I, we got a twitter dm from somebody who recently discovered our, our podcast had um what's the surgery had an appendicitis and had to recover in the hospital started listening from the beginning <laughs> the doctor rec- doctor recommended <laughs> the most what the what is the most time consuming thing you can do? Right, well, there's this podcast that does 87 podcasts a week. Well, so and he maybe he that. wrote that he was like, I'm I'm up to 2015. You guys are talking yourselves into Nerlens Noel and Julia Lokifer on the same. <laughs> <laughs> As we said before, and it, it seems incredibly overwhelming for to imagine someone starting a pod, this podcast right now because there's just been it's been too long. Yeah. And there's too much of an, a, an under, under, a level of understood insanity that that we're not really conveying for for newcomers. Um, but as we said before, don't go back. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the podcasts are not available anywhere to be listened to. Um, any take that we've had in the past does erase itself after five minutes. Um, I I do think not. it's kind of neat in like that it is an audio journal of two fans watching the Sixers. Like it probably doesn't exist in the way that ours does, you know, anywhere. I, I wouldn't, I won't go back and listen to it, but I think 
if you're not a Sixers fan, maybe it's interesting. If you're just a basketball fan and not a Sixers fan, I don't know. This guy said that it was neat to hear people talk themselves into the same bullshit that he did. So, yeah. Um, and the number one thing on AU's list of the top 76 Sixers moments that I don't, much like you always said, Burner Gate, we never gave enough credit to how crazy it was. AU's number one moment is the Sixers hiring Daryl Morey. I don't know that we'll ever be able to put in proper context how wild that is that they that Daryl Morey is running basketball operations for the Sixers right now, considering where where it all started. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's hard to it's hard to fathom. Like there, we will like we can talk we can talk ourselves into how crazy something like very specific is. Like we can like uh, the confetti game. I think mm-hmm. is a good example of like look at this weird thing that we'll all we'll reference for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. But like, Burnergate was beyond it. Like, there's just nothing that we could ever do that will fully uh, crystallize how um, wild of a time and just unheard of everything about it was. Um, but we will try for the rest of our lives to to do so. And Sixers hiring Daryl after like you know everything that would happen with Hinky and then going in the complete opposite direction for a number of years. I think it would have been a little bit more surprising if it came out of the blue. Mm-hmm. It, it does seem to be, it was like hinted at for a while and it was like, maybe will they, should they, could they go after him? Like kind of thing. So then it happened. It was like, holy shit, they got him rather than like this. How did we get here? Kind of thing. It seemed a little right. bit more tipped, but, but yeah, it's uh it's wild that he's here. It's wild that he, um, you know, engages with us on Twitter f- uh, as his main account, not any sort of secret account. Um, very cool. It's it's good. I'm I I feel I have to keep reminding myself as I watch this team and get frustrated by this team that like he's here and more he's in charge. He'll yeah. he'll do a, a better job. So I wanted to end on an email. It was a nice email, but it ends with a, a question that is truly really gotten into my head the last couple of days. And I I would really like to engage you on it. It comes from Taylor. She says, hi, Spike and Mike. I I feel like I need to reach out as I reflect on this past year. I can't help but be filled with sadness in realizing it was this time last year that my husband and I were embarking on a trip to Indianapolis for Fly the Process. I'm sure you don't remember me, but I'll always remember the start of that trip because my husband and I were randomly selected to fly first class. I ended up sitting next to you, Spike. When you realized my husband and I were sitting apart, you willingly offered your seat to allow us to sit together. Anyway, we went on to enjoy one. That's why you're reading reading their email question. No, no, no. It's just a a nice slight. I'm a nice guy, humble brag, and the email. I am a nice guy. I am a nice guy. All right. Anyway, we went on to enjoy a wonderful trip despite losing our kryptonite to our kryptonite known as the Pacers. Remember that teenager that sat behind us booing the entire time? He was the worst. Um, Despite losing to a team we should have easily beat, I got to stand on the court, be within feet of my hero, Joel Embiid. I got to tell TJ he's got two years to make the right decision and head his way back to Philly. It was the best start to the year and overall a trip I will never forget. Thank you to their podcast and fans of Philly. So that brings me to my question and the hope that you guys will settle a debate that has been tearing apart my friend group for the last decade. It all started when we were in college, and a guy we knew spewed out a question while we were sitting there, high, in a college dorm room. What would win in a fight, a tank or a billion babies? Now, most people hear this and probably chalk it up as normal erratic weed talk, but it was this question that would go on to permeate my friend group and tear us apart in a clear divide for the next 10 years. 
We've seen couples divide, friends argue for hours, and complete strangers be drawn into the conversation as a desperate need to prove which side is right. We felt we need to clarify the parameters regarding this topic, such as, do the babies ever age? Yes. <laughs> what is the... They started... I asked some follow-up questions. They start at three months old. What is the <laughs> ultimate goal of the battle? The babies to overtake the tank or the tank to be the last one standing? Do the babies have unlimited amounts of provisions? Yes. Does the tank run on an unlimited supply of ammo? Also yes. My own husband and I have fallen on opposite sides of this debate for years, so I come to you today in a request for help and guidance in ending this decade-long debate once and for all. So I ask your opinion. In a fight, what would win, a tank or a billion babies? We also realize the morbidity of this discussion and hope that you'll see it. You'll not see us as completely sure, awful sure, sure. and terrible human beings. Theoretically, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the matter. I absolutely love yeah, children yeah, and babies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for context, and I know you know this, but saying it out loud seems to help when you realize that the tank has to dispose of a billion babies. A Can billion, the tank shoot? Yes. Well, she says ammo. So I said, yeah, but just for perspective, a billion babies would be three times the number of people that exist in the United States right now. Where are they? Like, what is the, are they in a room? Are they like squunched up in like a, like a gym? Or let's just say it they starts, outdoors? let's just say it's outdoors in a, a field. A, a field of battle, a field of baby versus. Correct. Yes. Versus tank battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a billion is so many babies. It, it, right. It really just gets to the point where you start to have to try to figure out how long would it take the tank to dispose of babies? Because would the babies age enough to be able to take over the tank while the tank was disposing of the babies? Well, so what, I mean, at what age do the babies know the job, what the job is? Well, can I, let me ask you this. And, and this is something I don't know if they've considered. You know, if you put a baby out in the wild, let's say, the baby would probably, like, if you took a, a, a normal baby that lived in a house and said, well, when is this baby ever going to learn to, like, catch a fish? Baby might never be able to learn to catch a fish with its hands. But you put a baby out in the wild and it needs to catch a fish, maybe the baby catches the fish. So maybe the babies at some point, maybe at, two years old, I don't know, a year and a half old, start to realize that this tank is, is the threat and start climbing over the tank and overtake the tank. Uh, I don't think a baby catches a fish unless someone's teaching it how to catch a fish. You don't think there's instinct? The baby's like... No. I, okay. No, that baby dies. The baby would die. If, there's, okay. if, there, if you leave a baby out into, in the, near a lake... And saying like, and just put a sign there that says there's fish here. The baby's going to die. There's no chance of the baby being just like summoning the will to sort of some know the knowledge. Well, then how did, but humans survived initially, right? Like, I don't, we don't, this is where we are straying from the ultimate goal. In my mind, in my mind, the babies, it would take the babies years. Is there a human even like overseeing the process that's sort of like waiting I don't know, two years at least to tell the babies like, hey, get it. Because I, I mean, they might, they're not, they're not engaged. Well, you how have to long... imagine that the, 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 the tank with unlimited ammo 
uh-huh. that could, you know, roll over the babies and also shoot at them is far more focused on the task than these disparate billion babies that are playing with each other. There's no way that the babies are like deciding to attack a tank instead can, of playing with the other babies that are around. Can or I ask just you sort this? of wailing by themselves. I, I think the first question, not first question, but the question you really have to know the answer to is how long does it take the tank to kill 500 million babies? You know, like how long? Um, I don't think that long in the idea of there is un- unlimited ammo mm-hmm. plus like rolling over, which is obviously disgusting to think about, but we're in the fantasy world here. In my mind, like, I, if, it, if it's in a room and the idea is, because a billion is obviously a lot, if it's in a room and the, and the babies are just like, the weight of the babies are just like coming down on this tank mm-hmm. and, and eventually it just like smushes or something. But a but room hard couldn't to, hold a billion babies. Well, exactly. But it'd have to be a huge room. There wouldn't be a billion babies in any in rooms indoors or outdoors. <laughs> so, like, if the size of babies over tank, I think, is a factor. But if we're saying they're just in the wild and they're just crawling wherever the fuck they want, it is, in my mind, like, as much as I want to give it to, the like, the baby, I, I just don't think that there's no defense. It would not take six years... To, to for for one tank with unlimited ammo to kill that many babies, it would take I would say, if there's no need to sleep. If we're if we're just saying straight up time, I think yeah. I think I think a, a tank could kill a billion babies in, in like, six months. No, I don't think so. I I tanks don't move fast. Yeah, and but I mean, if the babies are all in one place, you don't need them to move fast. You just need to like shoot. But, but even if they're even one if they're shot spread at a out. location, probably kills or at least fatally wounds a ton, like many. But even if even if they're spread out, and I, I don't know the answer to this, but even if they're spread out, not on top of each other, how much space does a billion babies take up? Quite a lot, for sure. You know. It feels like mowing, it's like mowing a lawn. Like the babies are not providing resistance. And so how long would like a big tank take to like however many, Cover- however many a billion babies is an acre? Divide that space-wise. I don't think I can Google that. No, it's a lot. Yeah. But I, look, I, I want to give it to the babies because of a billion is a lot, but it just, it's hard to imagine it. The defenses of the babies are nothing. And I just feel like ultimately, even if it takes a while, even if it takes, I think I said six months, even if it takes three years, they're still going to win. Yeah, I, um, I guess, you know, I, and, and I, we, I didn't ask her this and Elliot at work asked me, is it possible that, you know, like the the babies underneath could junk up the the tank and make it so the tank couldn't like move mm-hmm. like could the the tank get stuck in baby but sure. i don't think so they're made to do that you know it seems unlikely so you're going with the tank i th- i just think you have to i just can't see of a scenario in which the babies win i think my my real question is i think this takes longer than anyone is is 
is giving it credit for. And if, let me, last question. Do you think 100,000 five-year-olds could beat a tank? 100,000? That's yes. a lot less than a billion. That's a lot I know, less than a billion. But I'm just saying 100,000 five-year-olds, could they beat a tank? How, what's the biggest stadium? How, does the biggest, how much does the biggest stadium hold? Like if you get a big college stadium is, is like 100,000. Okay. So like Coliseum at SC. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think that's that many, 93 or something. Versus a tank. I, I, think, I think the tank still. Hmm, okay. Especially if they're seated in the stadium, they're all running. I think like it's pretty easy to like shoot like one section at a time. You're really getting it pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I just, I struggle to find, like, if the, realistically, well, how many five-year-olds could even be injuring the tank at, a, at, at one time? To me, it's hmm. like a hundred Maybe because most of them are going to be standing from the outside unless they're like throwing. Unless they just swarm it all just get on top. But how many? But what would they do? If, if there were 20,000 babies on top of a tank, I, I don't I don't think, think the that the tank could, could hold 20,000 babies. There's not enough surface area for them all. Right. So when like they could just the, the tank wouldn't even be able to move. Well, the babies would never be able to coordinate amongst themselves to do that. Five year olds could. Five year olds maybe could. Yeah, maybe. So, it question like, could it take? Uh, what well, I'm really sorry to Taylor. I don't have, I, d I don't know the answer yet. Mike is is pretty sure it's the tank. I'm pretty sure it's tank, and I'm pretty sure tank beats a hundred thousand five year olds too, because the like, tanks are built to withstand, like, stuff. I keep thinking and the I things Google that the babies this. and the five year olds are giving them. It's just not. I don't there's, think it would wound them. There's I, simply the, the no argument to be made of like. Maybe you get you grind up and get in the gears and stuff, and you stop moving, and you have to sort of just like turn the the gun manually. Hmm. But it's tough. Before we go, I screwed this up at the top. I want to, as this is our last pod of 2020, of course, thank our sponsors: DraftKings, LL Pavorsky, Big Barker, Cornblow, and Cornblow, Adam Kasabi, Stateside Vodka, By Nature Pet Foods, Kinetic Skateboarding, Colony Meadery. But would also like to thank every listener who has stuck with us through this year. This has been an unprecedentedly shitty year. And the, um, the number of notes we've gotten that have said that like the pod was important to them during the shutdown and during this whole time is uh, very touching. And I just think if you're listening to this, you should know that the uh, you listening to it is as important to us as the pod is to you. So I'm proud of the fact that people continue to listen and somehow we've been able to grow a little bit. I'm proud that and happy that people put up with the shit that I say that they hate. Um, and I, I love it. I think it's... Um, just it's a thing that I'm proud of, and I, I can't believe we got through 2020 without really missing a week. So it's fucking weird. So thanks. That's all I got. I just got to thanks. Thanks for 2020. Here's to a much better 2021. Yeah. It has to be. Everybody right? uh, stay safe and ride this out uh, safely as long as we can because, you know, the Sixers need us to be there booing them in person. Yeah. As <laughs> yes. soon as possible. So hang in yes. there. Hunker down. 
Yeah. Let's all make it through this thing. Yep. Um, all right. We'll talk to you in 2021, unless there's the hardened trade or something. Um, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know. Like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.